Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. Good morning. So in years, in years past, we have not had to ask permission to be here. It's usually a first come, first serve. So there might have been a communication error on our part. There's a little bit of turbulence. And so we're fielding that. But uh, I want to go into the scriptures. I don't want to waste a lot of time. I want to show you today Jesus's interaction with people. Um, I don't know if you ever have maybe brought your car, let's say, to get fixed, and you think that you have a little problem. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say you don't change your brakes on time. You're going to wind up with rotor problems. All right? Um, another thing, let's say you don't change your oil. You could actually, your, your engine could seize if you're too low on oil. So what could be 100, 80, 150, depending on what kind of car you have, 200 could become a five or $10,000 problem. And so in these scenes today from the gospel, there are people who approach Jesus with the problem and you're gonna find out that what they think is the problem isn't actually the problem. So uh, this is a very, very fascinating uh, thing. This is from, I'm gonna try to stay in Luke today. I cannot fully really go into all of this, but. Um, Are you serious? Okay, so where would you like us to go? I don't know. We will just have to wait till the beach opens and just... Yeah, all right. So they don't want us in here. This is a Christian group. Doesn't want a Christian group in here because we didn't register or something like that. So we're going to go here. Yeah, we're going to go 10 feet away. And uh, very interesting situation. And we have it on film, so that's even more exciting. If someone could grab that camera and uh, help us with that, that'd be great. I can't believe they did that. Yeah, it's very sad, but. Yeah. See, it's really sad. Hi guys. Um, my manager just said if one of you is available to please go speak with her at the beach office. Her name is Heather. Heather. Um, and she's right down there um, in that first building you'll run into on the boardwalk. Sarah, do you want to feel that? Okay. Can you also tell her that they're leaving? What's that? They're leaving. They're leaving? Yeah. Okay. It's really crazy, but. Is this not the last No, never. Never. It's the strangest thing ever. Are you still going to have, like, a sermon? Or? Yeah, hopefully. Okay. Never told I don't know. Hey, guys, let's just bring it in here. Because being on the boardwalk is better. <laughs> yes. It's all right. We're getting, we're going to get sun anyway, so... This was going to be a pretty interactive uh, situation anyway, so, all right. Anybody want to sit? All right. I even got a little stand now, so I'm better. So if you guys want to bring it in a little closer just so that people can walk by without feeling threatened by 
Christians. Cheek turning Christians. <laughs> so this is exciting. But anyway, all right. So we're going to go to Luke. And we, we're not, just so you know, we're not, they're not going to let us on the beach until 12 o'clock anyway. So, all right. Luke, we're going to go into 7. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures today because we are at church, believe it or not. Um, okay, this is 736. This is a story of Jesus. Uh, he's invited to a Pharisee's house, okay? Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down and eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair and anointed them uh, with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And this is what he's saying in his heart. So here's Jesus about to read his mail. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> so he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. When he turned to the woman and said, do you see this woman? I have entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, uh, with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint me my head with oil, but this woman had anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right, here's our interaction. Who's the problem in the story? <laughs> you guys are smart. Come on. Somebody's got to. Who's the Pharisee? Yes, the Pharisees are the problem. Who do the Pharisees think is the problem? The woman. And they think that if Jesus were a prophet, he would know. So the Pharisees have a bone to pick with Jesus and the woman, but who's actually the problem? Them, their perspective. Story one. Okay, Luke 8, 22. This is Jesus again. Now this is him with his disciples. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over from the other side to the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, film, uh, and they were, and they were filling uh, with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and they were calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, 
Who can this man be? For he commands even the winds and the water to obey him. What's the problem here? They have no faith. So now they're, they're coming to Jesus, right? And in one of the other Gospels, I think it's in Matthew and Mark, they're like, don't you care that we're dying? Like, don't you care that we're perishing? So they're accusing him of not caring when he's in the same situation as them. And they think the storm is the problem. But what does Jesus address as the problem? Their lack of faith. So he said to them, where are they going? What did he say to them? In the text, he's across the lake. He's, you see what he has? He has the discipline of listening. He's, how old are you? He's ten. ten. So Jesus said to them, we're going to the other side, right? So does that, what does that mean? It means we're going to the other side. So now something comes up that is contrary to the word, a circumstance. And so then they in faith bring the circumstance to Jesus. That's the best place to take your problem. Right? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And then Jesus tells them that's not actually the problem. The problem is you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they forgot what he said. So then fear. Fear and unbelief. Okay. We're going to continue. This is, a, this is another one. Uh, this one can preach all, uh, all by itself. But I want to show you something. Sometimes in our life, sometimes in our life in the kingdom, you have to see something that you can't unsee. I don't know if you've ever had an experience in your life where you had an experience with God or you, you saw something and it's almost like you cannot unsee it. Seeing what you saw changed you and it impacted your heart in a way that you're like, man, this is like, this kind of is like, um, kind of like it draws almost like a line of demarcation and you kind of go past somewhere that you haven't been before because you've experienced something that you, yeah, it's like no turning back uh, from that. Now, that's kind of what today is about in the sense of for those who are being baptized, but also what I'm trying to do with this text is I'm trying to show you Jesus's interactions with people. I'm going to spend more time on this like when we're actually in a building uh, and not getting thrown out of places. But <laughs> this is because I don't have as, like a long time. I don't want to hostage you guys. But I really want to spend time on some of this. But what I'm trying to do today is a broad stroke to kind of um, help you to see something that you, hopefully you won't unsee. Okay. Uh, Luke 9:51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers before his face and they went and they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So the Samaritans hated the Israelites so much that they were like, bro, if you're going to go to them, you can't come through here. Imagine like, oh, well, if so-and-so's coming to the party, I'm not coming. Yeah? Okay. Anyway. Okay. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven? <laughs> and consume them just as Elijah did. 
But he turned and rebuked them and said, You don't know uh, what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So what you're seeing here on a human side is that rejection triggers anger. Right? Have you ever seen that in your life or in the life of... <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So this is the interaction we're looking for. So, so now they're getting rejected. So this is triggering them. So here's the thing. Let me say one thing to you. If you can be triggered, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you need healing. That's all right. It just means you need, you need to grow. It doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're bad. So now the disciples think, the disciples think that the Samaritans are the problem. And they, what they do is they, they get a, they, this is what we're good at doing this. They get a biblical text to make it their own and they hijack it to validate their anger. And that is really, first of all, let me tell you what that is. That is the working of another spirit. Because another spirit always wants to use scripture incorrectly for your own purposes, not for God's purposes. So Jesus gives the boys a lesson, goes, boys, like, I did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. In fact, I'm going to Jerusalem to give my life, not go over there and smoke a village from Samaria. So, so this is, so now this is again, so the disciples see the problem that, that the Samaritan's reaction is the problem to the disciples. But to Jesus, the real problem is his disciples. The real problem is two out of three of his best guys. <laughs> He's got three best guys. He brings them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He brings them to raise a girl from the dead. Everyone doesn't go. He's got three best guys. The problem is not the Samaritans, but it's two out of the three of the best guys. And there's a story for Peter where he's the problem and another, which we're not going to do that today because I really am not going to hostage you. But what I'm showing you is, so they come to Jesus with a problem and Jesus then turns it on them and goes, actually, your perspective, your proof texting is actually the problem. Might be stealing some of this. <laughs> Yeah. Now, if you feel that this message was for your wife or husband, don't worry, it'll be online later. No, it's like, okay. So now, okay, this is really, now we're going to do, we're going to do a couple more. Luke 10. I like this one especially. This is a classic one. So now, in verse 38, you know the story. Now it happened as they went and entered a village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. This is what a lot of people's prayer life is, telling God what to do. If, you, if that is your prayer life, you will have a very frustrating prayer life because your prayer life is actually about God telling you what to do. Just, just thought I, 
encourage you with that. Uh, so anyway, and when he tells you he's not asking you, he's telling you. Okay. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you, <laughs> you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed or need for, the word in Greek is also the word occupation. One thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. So now this is what's happening. They're at Martha's house. She's the host. She's showing hospitality. That's a good thing. She obviously is a woman of means because the house belongs to her, which means her husband either died or she doesn't have a husband, but she owns the house, so she has money. She's the host. She's showing hospitality. And so she's serving. She's doing her thing. And now she's mad at her sister, and she goes to Jesus as if her sister is the problem. But what does Jesus address? Thank you, son. <laughs> He's under interrogation every day. They, they get asked a lot of questions. Uh, so anyway, so, so now he redirects it on her. And he doesn't address the outside situation, which she's addressing. He addresses what? The inside situation. And he says, imagine being distracted by doing things for Jesus. <laughs> so she's medicating her anxiousness with busyness. I, this year, you have to hear this. I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying you shouldn't grind. But I am saying, if Jesus is speaking... It's not time to be cooking. It's time to be listening. And so her anxiousness was being medicated through her busyness. And this is affecting how she is interpreting reality because she's not seeing it accurately. She's seeing her sister as the problem when in fact her sister has chosen to do what is right. All right, we got a couple more. Don't worry. A few more, a few more. We're definitely winning friends and influencing people here today. <laughs> All right, now here comes, what did Pastor tell me? He, he said I was a problem. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> Luke 12, this is classic. 13, uh, this is a little bit longer, not too long. Luke 12, 13, yes. Now this is a parable of, the Bible calls a rich fool. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So now, a brother is coming to Jesus, and the brother is the problem. You seeing this or no? This is why to me, can I say something to you, if I could just be forthright with you in a pastoral way of love and honesty? It's very difficult for me to think that people in general, I don't mean you like every one of you. I mean just in general that people are really praying and really reading and really spending time with Jesus without ever coming into a deep sense of conflict with what is going on in them. It's very difficult. It's, it's so difficult. It would be like me saying that I, we're going to throw you in the ocean, but you never, you didn't get wet. 
I, I don't I just don't believe it you know it's very difficult to think that people are coming in contact with the flame and not being burned or not being really dealt with because I, I remember I was on the other side of the pulpit and I would sit in my pastor's church Pastor David and he's a very gracious loving humble guy and I would be getting stung multiple times and that was in full-time ministry with a life devoted to the Lord and I'm still getting really you know stung so I'm, I'm, I'm I find it difficult to say that we're seeking and pursuing the Lord but there's nothing there's never anything being really dealt with that, that to me is really it doesn't really it's irreconcilable um, okay teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me but he said to him man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Okay. Here we go, Jesus, again. So, guy has a problem. Where do we go with our problems? Hopefully not a nightclub or a bar. Hopefully Jesus. So he comes to Jesus with the problem. What does Jesus go? Jesus goes, Actually, that's not the problem. Are you, are you guys tracking with me? He says, beware of covetousness or greed. So what does greed believe? Greed believes that my life is defined by what I possess. Not I'm enriched by what I possess, not enjoy what I possess, but my life is defined by what I possess, which is not true. Which is not true. So he addresses covetousness or greed and the core belief of that is that my life is defined by what I have okay then he spoke a parable to them a ground of a certain man a rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops so he said I will go and get a storage unit no, I'm just playing so he said I will do this I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That, that's, that eat, drink, and be merry is the Greek life. I know that you, you think that we, had, you know, uh, you know, we invented the good life. This is Greek. This is a this is a Greco-Roman worldview that you don't know if tomorrow will be, so we're gonna party today. That that was that was like Greece. Where do you think all the sororities of our universities come from? So whether you know it or not, you have a Greco-Roman worldview, whether you believe it or not. But anyway, and and some people their their view of the afterlife has been shaped by mythology they've never read. That's how dominant that worldview is. So so that's how anyway. Okay, but he said, uh, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then uh, whose will those things be which you have provided? So he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. This is not an assault on wisdom or a savings account. What he's saying here is that if you trust in that, it'll fail you. His savings couldn't save him. I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared for a rainy day. But if that's what you trust in, that will take your life. 
It will cost your life. So he says, okay, I got stuff. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Not knowing. He's not good. So Jesus releases that parable to the guy who's coming to him thinking his brother's the problem when in fact Jesus is addressing the greed and the covetousness in his own heart. What does this mean? One more and then we're literally done. Luke 13. If you notice, I kept it in Luke for you today. Luke 13, 1. There were present at the sea uh, this season. Now, this is fascinating. Let me just do a little teaching here. The word season here is kairos in Greek, which is not watch time. It's a divine opportunity in time. It's kind of like when the kingdom of God visits time and space, when the powers of the age to come break into the present age. And so this is really, really something because Luke uses this word. So there were present at that season at that Kairos moment. So the next nugget and the next statement and the next, what Jesus is saying here is having the power to shift the season. So what God says to you has the authority and has the power to shift the season. This is what I'm talking about, about seeing something that you can't unsee. Sometimes God wants to show you something that you cannot unsee so it is foundational to what you begin to build your life on. Okay? All right. Now, there were present at this season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices, which is completely wicked and evil. He literally took blood, like he killed people, and, and desecrated their temple to show them that he is in control. See, what, what, what we just encountered, that was a control issue. I don't know if you felt that, but what God is doing can't be stopped. I don't care where we are. It doesn't matter to me, but religion always, religion and politics always fight for control. You know what Jesus fights for? Freedom. If someone wants to control your life more than Jesus, run. (laughs) Okay. 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 Verse 2, And Jesus answered and said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? So he's addressing something in the culture that they are worse because a tragedy happened to them. Tragedies happen to innocent people all the time. In fact, when I was in Haiti, right down the street from me was a church practicing with children, choir, everything. When my house was hit, Everyone in our house lived in that building, in that church building, every single person died. And I am no better than any of those people, trust me. And nobody in our house is any better than those people who were worshiping the Lord, doing a worship practice, and they all died. So the idea that just because a tragedy happened does not necessarily mean that you did something to trigger that tragedy. So he's addressing something that is in the religious mindset of first century Jews. Because Jesus always speaks to the present lie to secure freedom for you. It's always truth that brings us into freedom. So if I don't have a correct perspective on reality, I can't be free. You all right? Good, Pastor. <laughs> that was 
Lord's, Lord's, getting, Lord's getting ready for Africa. <laughs> okay. So now I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. <laughs> so, now Jesus gets a little, he backs him up with a jab. So the guy comes to Jesus and goes, oh, let me tell you about the latest conspiracy. Let me tell you how evil the Illuminati is or how evil the United States government is or how evil. And Jesus goes, actually, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Now, what is the guy addressing? The guy is addressing Rome. And he's saying, if you, if he's, what he's telling them is, if you keep coming at Rome this way, Rome is going to come at you. When we say perish, you think he's talking about you're going to go to hell when you die. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the Roman army coming and surrounding the city. This is most of what he prophesied about, by the way. So anyway, or now Jesus speaks to the culture. He addresses something that happened. He was current on current events. He knew the culture and the lies that affect the culture. Watch what he says. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's speaking to the city that's going to be overrun by Rome. Here it comes. He's going to, in case you didn't understand it, he's going to say it again. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years, this is his ministry, I have come seeking fruit on the fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears no fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. So in, in cultures that are shaped by agriculture, let's say you go to the Dominican Republic and you, you look at a banana plantation. You'll see that out of all of the trees and, and all of the branches, only one of them bears fruit. So what do they do with the, the other branches? They take the other branches, they chop them all off, they burn them to ashes in front of the base of the tree and the branches that failed to produce fruit are the fertilizer for the next harvest. So Jesus was saying to the children of Israel, listen, if, if you guys don't repent, you're going to be chopped down and you're going to be cut off. And, that, and that's what's happening. So again, we go back to the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story was them coming to Jesus with like a conspiracy theory type. You don't know what Pilate did to the Jewish people. You don't know the pressure that we're under, Jesus. You don't, you don't see what we're going through. You don't understand how evil Rome is. And what does Jesus say? He addresses what is going on in them and says, boys, guys, if you don't change what you think, you're going to perish too. And then he, he comes against the idea of that just because something bad happened to them, that they're worse sinners than anyone else. Like you, you could be a great Christian and walk into a real tragedy. You know, there's people, I'll give you an example. Like I'll use my, my, my own mother and my father. My mother watched what she ate. She was 
very meticulous on her diet. She was, my dad is like a garbage disposal. If I ate like my father, I'd be like 600 pounds. He'll come home, eat two donuts, a bowl of ice cream. He, he, and he's alive and well and with his new girlfriend now and my mom is dead. Right, so now it's like, how can you say that? I'm being honest with you that just because someone experiences a tragedy doesn't necessarily mean that they did something wrong. And so that was, that was a, a predominant thought within the first century Ju Judaism. You see the same idea when Jesus finds a sick person and the, his own disciples go, Jesus, was it this guy's sins or his parents' sins? So they had an idea that, you know, if you, if you were sick or if you did something wrong, you, you know, that you must have done something wrong if you're sick. And this is just anyone who has done any type of real life or real living or pastoral care knows that sometimes some of the most heinous tragedies happen to some of the most good and innocent people, you know. And so he's addressing this. And, and this is, we're, we're, gonna, we're getting ready to wrap up here, like literally. But every story from the religious Pharisees, I'm going to run through them real quick, to the storm, to the disciples, to Martha, to the brother who needs to, you know, get his, to the crowd saying, you don't know what Pilate's like. Every single time, Jesus turns it onto them. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a mirror. Jesus in Revelation said this, Buy gold refined in the fire that you may be rich toward God. The only person trying to sell you gold and make you rich is Jesus. In the ancient world, what they would do with gold is they would take gold and they would light it on fire. And they do this still in some cultures today, I believe. And they, they take it and they beat it and they keep beating it and they flatten it and they beat it and they polish it and the gold is like a mirror. Truth is like a mirror. Many people do not want to engage with truth because truth is a mirror. This is why people will listen to podcasts, they'll watch YouTube, they won't connect to community because community will make you deal with your issues because community will bring out your issues. You, you don't believe me? You're going to have some of your own kids and you watch how those kids bring out your issues because community naturally brings things up to the surface. You go into Jesus with your prayer requests or your discrepancies, which we all have them, right? What does Jesus do because he loves us so much? He provides us with a mirror, right? It's like, it's like this, let me give you the parable. It, let's say Sarah has a little ketchup on her face because we're eating cheeseburgers. And I come and I go, babe, you got ketchup on your face and I got a whole bunch of sour cream dripping down my beard. So, not common. <laughs> That's why one of the reasons, believe it or not, we need each other. Because we have blind spots. You know that you have mirrors in your car? Now they have sensors to help people. Some of us, you know, you have backup cameras. Before the backup cameras, they had the beeper. Who remembers the beeper? Beep, 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 beep. You get too close, the Escalade had a beeper. Beep, 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 And that saved me many times. So, so we need, listen to me, we need 
a vibrant mommy crash it. <laughs> so that's all right. She got me an upgrade. That's right. We're talking about me. That's what talking about. It's my fault somehow. Somehow it's my fault you crashed. <laughs> so anyway, every time we go to Jesus, let's be prepared for him to address what is really the issue. Because every person who comes to him saying, Kevin's the issue, then Jesus turns it on me and goes, no, Adam. Adam's the issue. And I wanted to show you this for one reason. You have people today who are making decisions to serve the Lord and they're embracing being a part of the body of Christ and living in community and, and trying to walk this thing out together, which means we, you know, we may rub each other the wrong way or maybe we're disappointed or maybe we have a miscommunication or misunderstanding. That's where grace covers that. There has to be grace. Grace is, grace is things up, you know, like, and so we have to have a community of grace for each other. Uh, and, and, but finally, the last thing I want to say to you is that let the Lord really show you what is the issue. Whether it's in your life, you know, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your finances, let the Lord get to the heart of the matter. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me was very personal and then I'm finished. When I, I was talking to Brett when I was buying my last car and uh, I have really eyes that really immediately see what's wrong with something, like immediately. I don't say it hardly ever with people, but immediately I see things. So I'm looking at the car and I see a crack in the leather and I'm getting an insane deal on the car and they were actually willing to fix it. But the fact is that I saw it, it made me so angry. I was so mad. And the Lord goes, the reason you're angry like that is because you're used to not having enough to just fix something and do what you need to do. That time is over. Amen. Okay. So now, here's the, here's the thing. The thing is, in your life, you think, okay, I think the leather is the issue. Right? The leather is not the issue. My heart toward the situation and my perspective of the situation because of what I've walked through previously is actually the thing that God wanted to upgrade. So God was not just upgrading the car, God was upgrading my perspective. You have to allow him, if you want to move forward in the kingdom, you have to let him be the one who is narrating reality. Because just because I feel something doesn't mean it's real. I mean, sometimes people hear things that are not being said. Voices. They hear stuff. And, and let me just say this. Just because you hear stuff doesn't mean you're bad. The devil told Jesus, jump off a church building. You know, if the devil will tell Jesus to jump off of a church building and kill himself, you know, don't be so surprised if a crazy, you know, thought flies into your mind. You know, just take those thoughts captive or they'll take you captive. Because whatever thoughts you don't take captive will take you captive. So every time someone comes to Jesus with an issue, he addresses the thing that would hold them hostage and keep them captive. You know why? Because he loves us and he wants us free. All right? Amen. We're done. Okay. 
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that what you're doing cannot be stopped by a tabernacle. Amen. We love you, Lord, and we're here to honor you today, Lord. We still bless this city and the officials and the folks who wanted to shut it down. Bless them, Lord. And uh, we ask you that this baptism would mark people for your kingdom and for the desired future that you have for them. And I thank you that today would be good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity, Lord. So I ask you to allow us to unite our hearts with yours and to be united with one another, uh, to be one with one another in you and for you and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv invite.